You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Welcome to this week's episode of Say What? It's going to be magical, folks. I am joined by my co-host, Jason Klaus. Hey. What's up, sir? What's up, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am? We've been on the the call for 20 minutes now before we got on the air. And if only, if only the listeners were privy to those kind of conversations. Well, I mean, that's where the real stuff, that's where the real talk happens, right? Right. Well, Well, let's, let's play a little bit of catch up because I know you have a topic on hand, but I have to ask you and I'm going to do it on the air. Yeah. Um, the, this is the first time we've recorded since your birthday party. That is so true. And did did we have a good time? (laughs) Yes, sir. We had a fantastic, wholesome, clean time. Yes, we did. Well, and for my listeners, if you have not, you know, caught up or listened to that episode yet, it's over on the uh, PFC Network's page. Um, And actually, I ended up having to download Spotify in order to listen to it. Like the way I clicked on the link, I had to, which was fine. Um, I really never had Spotify like on my phone before, but like I found some cool music and um it was a good thing. You know what I mean? So that was cool. But um, I will tell you, number one, thank you guys again for uh, you and Sean for coming out. I know Sean was exhausted. Um, as The he bills in the mail. Oh, okay. My appearance fee, you know. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Get in line, sir. Get in line. Okay. Um, but no, I do appreciate you guys coming out and, and just my friends that uh, who aren't normally, you know, on the air came over and shared some some interesting stories. Um, what I did share, what I will share with my listeners that we were discussing off the air, though, is I made two appearances on that uh, episode. I remember one of them. <laughs> I had forgotten. We'll use that word forgotten about the first one. And so. There was so, a, you did preface that episode though with, you know, we were doing a live, there was karaoke, there was noise, there was music. There was like right. this whole chunk, well, not long, but maybe like a minute or two where you were talking. I couldn't hear anything you were saying, except it was very faint. But as you started the sentence, you were saying like really nice things about me. And then it just got freaking drowned out. And I'm like, damn, that was probably the, the good stuff. Cause everything yeah. else was funny true and and endearing but also you know it's it's funny because i made mention of that because i went back and listened to it too and i'm like i prefaced that part by saying this is the only time i will ever say anything this endearing about kristen on here and i went into this thing and then i went back and, and listened to it i'm like ha the irony <laughs> She, she's not going to be able to hear a goddamn word. Oh, this is phenomenal. 
Well, you know what I do because today's episode <laughs> is called It's Magic. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's the thing. When you live in my head, which is a scary place to be sometimes, <laughs> um, what I chose to do in that moment, because I, I mean, I was laughing throughout the whole thing. And maybe it's not that funny to random strangers. But to me, it was funny because their stories about me and I can laugh at myself. Um, but as you started prefacing it that way or setting that up and it was so, I was like, Oh, what's he going to say? This is so lovely. And then just noise couldn't hear anything. I was laughing first. And then I just made up an entire narrative in my head about what you said. (laughs) And so I, you said all kinds of nice things. I just made it up in my head. I was like, Oh, that's probably what he's saying. It was funny. So, but I had a great time. It was fun. I appreciate Gary and Tina and Backroads and you and Sean and everyone that uh, that came out and I think we had a great time. Um, I hope you had a good time. I tried to make you get off work early because I felt kind of bad. I was like, I had already asked you a favor to come actually do work on a night out, and then eventually, That's not I was work, like, dude, just put a be... bow on it and come out here and hang out with everybody, you know? Yeah, but that's at no point. Not just for your party, but anytime we've done that, it's not work. Like, I legitimately enjoy that, and that's that's what I'm made to do. And that's how I know I'm wasting my time at my shoot job when this is what I really need to be doing. And uh, anytime we do something like that, that's on full display. Yeah, and I think that... Um... And I remember the first time I ever co-hosted with you when I filled in for Sean, mm-hmm. which was, I think it was the beach party yep, the that beach we did, yep. which was hilarious. I still have great pictures and memories of that. Um, but I remember kind of being amused because I'm so used to being out in the audience and it was very interesting to this, you know what? Oh my gosh, this is magic. This is going to tie into what I'm talking about today or I want to talk about today. Um, it's a different perspective. It's a different angle. Sure. And and it's the same thing. So what is that? You know, like you could have 15 people look at the same experience or the same, read the same passage or whatever, and they're going to pull from it or see something different. And I do, I couldn't do that all the time, but I, I remember when I co-hosted with you, like, this is very interesting, like to see it from this angle and and kind of like doing the I felt like one of those like sports commentators. Yeah. And that's funny. Like, but I don't think I could do that all the time. I talk too much and I would end up saying something about somebody on accident and somehow I'd have no friends. I just know it. <laughs> Cuz I would be giving my opinion. I mean, essentially that's what we were doing. That's what podcasting is. We're providing live commentary to what's happening but tie into if there is a topic, which there really isn't when we do those types of things. Right. But like I think that's one the of the 60s. best things, though. People just come up there and say any old damn thing. Right. And I think that's, I don't know, I like that. I liked hearing instead of, um, I don't know, like listening, even though obviously it was my birthday and people were talking about me, which is weird. Um, it, not because I don't ever want to feel loved or validated, but I've, I've always spent a good portion of my life um you know, anything I'm a part of or anything I'm spearheading or whatever, I have a really hard time accepting credit for things. I definitely want people to respect the the time and the effort I've put into it, but there's a difference between respect and glory. You know what I mean? And I totally get that. And I don't, anytime someone always like wants to go, Hey, you know, thank you, Kristen, for doing this. I'm like, now hold up. I appreciate you and I will accept your gratitude and say you're welcome. But let me acknowledge the 87 people behind the scenes. Let me pull out a couple. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I like to run things, but I don't necessarily need everyone to go look at Kristen and pat me on the back. That is just, I'm very uncomfortable with that. So actually when I ran for office, that was a huge problem for me initially. It was like, Oh, I'm such a not me us person. And to just be out there on your own and like your name is everywhere and every, you have to own everything and take the credit for everything. Like it's, it, it was so uncomfortable for me. 
And so I think even when I started this podcast, if you had not been on here and I just finally was like, no, you're my freaking co-host because I can't, I can talk all day, but I don't, I don't necessarily need the spotlight on myself. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I like working. I like being a project manager, but I like working with teams. I don't, I don't want everything to be on me, good and bad, you know? So anyway, it's, it was a great time though. And I, I had so much fun and, um, man, I really was thinking I was some Hank Williams Jr. up there that night. I was, honey, I'd had about three drinks at that point. I was like, well, we're doing this. I said it that night. I said it, <laughs> you know, listening back to it. I'm like, I, and I told you, I am very critical of Hank Jr. cover songs, but and I've never heard that that song sung that way before. And, I'm like, and I told Sean, I'm like, she's fucking nailing it. And he's he knows how I feel about it. He's like, well, that is a stamp of endorsement. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. She, well, she's killing it. And you know what's, I will say this because I'm very critical of myself and like always want to do better and, and fine tune and perfect things. What's so, and I think I mentioned it that night, but what's very interesting is I've sang that song once, maybe twice, but I know for sure once before. And it wasn't that long ago, maybe within the last month. And it's not, I love that song. I love, I love that song, but I, it's such a rich song. Like rich sings that song, Yeah. not regularly, but he does throw it in every now and then. And there's no ownership of music there, but there are songs like for me, it's Brenda, put your bra on. Nobody has ever sang that song, but me. And I kind of introduced it there. Right. And so it's not my best song, but it's a fun song. And it, you know, cause I do a lot of sad, depressing music. Cause I love that. I don't know. I just love it. I love slow music. So it's hard for me to do fast stuff. And so for me, that's like a fun song, but if somebody else got up there and sang it, I don't care. I don't own it, but it, there's just a, a four or five songs, you know, that each person has, that's kind of like their, People, it's their signature stuff and people love it when they sing it. And so, uh, example, uh, girl crush. I love that song. I sing it very well, but Joanna also Joanna Barnes from, we don't talk about that. She sings that song. She sings it beautifully and it's one of her best. And so if she's there, I will not sing that song because she probably will. And if she doesn't, no big deal. But if she's not there, then I'll sing it. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. kind of like a weird karaoke. It's a respect thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the first time I ever sang, though, Whiskey Bent and Hellbound, the, um, Rich like gave me an ovation, which was – Rich is just phenomenal. So it, for him and, – and he sings that song. So I was like, okay, cool. So when I decided to do it at <laughs> my birthday party – I was like, I want to keep the energy high. Man, the music was great that night too, man. They had November rain and like, I love when the energy is like that there. Everybody's on their, they're giving it their all and the music is right. And, um, but I told you I had just come back from the desert. I barely, the day before my birthday party, I could barely talk. Like just switching climates from, you know, Southern California to back to humid, cold Michigan. And I drank so much freaking tea. I was like, I cannot go and not sing. Right. I mean, I could, but that would be miserable for me. So um, I drank a lot of tea, a lot. I don't even like tea like that, but it's, you know, with honey and stuff. So um, even though you liked that version of it, that was not my best. Like, it, I know that in myself. But anyway, it was fun. And apparently, I just, I don't know, I was looking at the video. I was like, man, I'm making faces up. i just acting like I own this damn place right now. <laughs> but that's what a couple rum and cranberries will do for me. Um, that's what I told Cassandra. You didn't have it on the video afterwards, but I told her, I said, that's the rules. You drink the rum, you sing the songs. Drink the rum, sing the songs. You'll have no inhibition, and you'll just let it all out. So, anyway, I normally am not that rowdy first thing. <laughs> 
evening, but it was so fun. So just getting to let loose and stuff, you know. But anyway, I did mention something to you. Let's get on to the subject of today's episode. But um, I mentioned to you at some point, I do not remember when, um, <clears throat> could have been on the last episode when we were recapping the trip. Um, and then I posted about it on my Facebook page yesterday briefly. Um, while we were on the trip, I do not remember, I really don't, what it was. But there was this moment. And it was something very trivial and very small and insignificant. And I just got so giddy with joy. It, I'll use an example. Maybe I was looking at a leaf or a pine cone. I don't know. It was something so simple. But I just got so overwhelmed and just like found the magic and beauty of it. And Joanna literally said to me, she goes, I swear to God, you find, I've never met anyone like this. You find the magic in everything. And I was like, you know, I kept being giddy for a few more minutes at what I was doing. But I really thought about that. And I was like, and I went back up to her and I said, you know what? You're right. I do. And I guess I never really thought about it like that before. Um, but I'm kind of like, I don't know, that just that little comment has like, I've been like meditating on that statement and like reflecting back on stuff that none of you guys have ever seen. Just knowing I know me for the last 42 years, you've known me for the last one year, you know, so it's interesting to kind of go back and and think about that pattern you know, in my life and then question why, you know, I deep dived internally, right, right. into that. And so I had this <clears throat> experience yesterday that brought it up again. And I started thinking about it. Um, we have a, a, a woman here in Holly who I researched a long time ago, four years ago, when we did the uh, Holly Women's Memorial Project that I spearheaded. And she was one of the men, like hundreds of women that I had to research and study um, in order to put this together, because we not only did the memorial for those who passed, we did like a living ladies tribute. And she was one of them. Um, her name was Barb McKay. And I don't know if you saw my post yesterday or yeah. whatever. <clears throat> so Barb was, I think, 90. Um, but I'll keep this part very brief. She and her husband way back in the day. Uh, opened a hardware store, uh, McKay's Hardware, which was here in downtown Holly. Um, and they owned several buildings, you know, historic buildings that the, the hardware store was in. And her husband passed fairly soon after they opened it. Like, I feel like he was only like 30 something years old. And, you know, back in those days, that's the 50s or maybe even the 40s. I don't even remember. Um, you know, women, we had women who had bakeries and, you know, stuff like that in the community. But in that time, women weren't running businesses. They weren't running. They were supporting their husbands running businesses. They were not running them. And they certainly weren't running a hardware store right. for men. Right. And so when he died, she took it over and she ran it successfully for decades and decades and decades. So she's basically Holly royalty around here. Um, she is revered. Of course, she has also done tons of philanthropic <laughs> work and, you know, um, was part of the American Women's Business Association and just all kinds of stuff. Um, just a very generous and, and involved lady. And she passed a couple days ago. I feel like so many of our, uh, the shoulders we stood on around here are, you know, they're of that age. I've had a lot of them pass in the last couple of weeks. So um, really last couple of months. But anyway, long story short, um, her funeral was yesterday or her visitation. And I was not, I'll be honest with you, I've been to so many in the last month and a half. I'm on like emotional overload. I just was like, I can't, I live across the street from the funeral home. Like, there's no excuse, right? Like, I can just walk across the street. But, like, you get dressed. You have to go and just take on all the sadness, the emotion. Like, I just, I've been overwhelmed. And I, I'm in a good place right now. And I just was like, you know, I knew her. I respected her. But we were not, like, super tight or anything. So I didn't feel guilty, you know, for not going. But I went to go make a cup of coffee last night. And I, I, 
don't know if you know this about me, but I, I own a lot of coffee cups. It's a thing. <clears throat> and I collect them. People gift them to me. So I can't keep them all, but everyone I have has a story, every single one. And so I posted that picture of that little antique Holly cup and saucer set. And I, I pulled that out. It was dusty. I haven't even, I don't think I've ever used it. It was just in my collection, but my daughter bought it for me from Holly antiques, which is, um, she owned that until, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, she sold it to some friends of mine who own it now. But before that happened, my oldest daughter bought that for me when we first moved here. Cause we love antiques. I love Holly. And I was like, okay, this was from her store. You know, I'm going to make this in this cup, you know, cheers to Barb. Right. And right. so, um, which then led me internally on a deep dive of, oh my God, my daughter bought me this cup. Oh my God, it's from Holly Antiques. Oh my God, my other friends own Holly Antiques now. Oh my God, I'm making the coffee in the espresso machine that Joanna purchased for me for my birthday last year. Like everything about every aspect of this, the chocolate I had was given to me just last week, a big gift of them. You know, like everything has a story and it was all interconnected. So I kind of had this like moment of um, like an attitude of gratitude, right? Like I, I go down those magical layers of the little insignificant things. And I thought about what, Aunt, what Joanna had said to me. She's like, you know, you find the magic in everything. And so I don't know. I just kind of like percolated on that for a little bit. And I was thinking about it last night. I was like, I think we could do an episode about this because um, it's not so much about me. It's about, I feel like the world we live in, we talked about Vegas last time being like super pageantry and scammy and fake. It's like, I kind of feel like, you know, we live in such a commercial world that people do not take the time or inherently or naturally utilize their time to find the wonder and the magic that's just right in front of you. It, whether it's your memories and your objects and your stories or whether it's nature. I think that's why people are attracted to nature and want to go hiking or go to, it's why I want to go to the mountains to be inspired, to be overwhelmed and, and remind myself that I'm insignificant in the grand scheme of things, you know? Um, and just kind of have that inspiration and that connection with nature, with the, our world, science is magic. Science is crazy. Like the biology and the, I was, uh, I actually was looking up the James Webb telescope. I always think about that when people are like, let me tell you, or if you watch the news and someone's got an opinion or a politician's got a statement, I'm like, or, you know, there's some mega church on and everybody's got the answers. And I'm thinking, we just found, we got pictures of stuff from like 8 billion light years ago. Like, you don't know shit. Nobody knows shit. We just have egos. And granted, we know things, we learn things. But like this, we all have a very big attitude, like very finite. Like we know for sure that this fill in the blank. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. I think if you just strip away all the the commercialism the pageantry the all of it and you just get down to oh my god look at this cool rock i found on the beach and it's it's unique there's no other rock like it none in the whole world like nothing's that shape nothing's that size like there and you just kind of humble yourself i think in the grand scheme of things no wonder i find magic in everything like cuz part of that comes from growing up poor like you got, you got to have fun and get real creative <laughs> with, you know what I mean? Cause we didn't have all the objects and the, you know, we didn't have cable TV. So we had to go outside, you know, and we talk about that a lot. Y'all, you and Sean probably talk about it a lot on the eighties is like, you know, we kind of have this attitude of you grew up in the sixties and the seventies. It was like, get out the door, see you when the porch lights on, you had to go figure out how to have fun or mischief. Um, now granted, I love modern day amenities. I'm glad I didn't grow up <laughs> with, without, you know, central heat and things like that. But I do think if we go back, we're really the last couple generations really are the only people who live like this. Like if you go back through time, people had to make their own spices, mortal and pestle. You had to, 
make your own bread. You had to sew your own clothes. You had to, you had to have gratitude and put effort into things and you took care of them because you knew what went into getting them and how much effort you would have to use to get them again. And now it's just like, everything's disposable, reusable. Like it's just, it's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a generational thing. So there's parts of that I love, but other parts that, I don't know. You got to find the magic in, it's not magic. It's just science really, but. It's the little things. Yeah. What you do, what you've described is, and like I'm sitting over here and my heart is kind of warm because I'm watching you recount. There's a pill for that. There. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I see we've wore our funny pants today. You can't see me from the waist down. You don't even know if I have pants on. <laughs> I'm Fair kidding. Enough. I always have pants on. But yeah, Fair sorry. Enough. Carry on. You're watching me. You see some warmness. I watched. Listen, you un you laid out that scenario. You made the coffee yesterday. You got the cup because the you know you're 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 describing how all these dominoes fell into place that mm -hmm. brought you to this very moment where it takes you out of the here and now and you're able to look at and appreciate the little things because it's the little things that more often than not have the most sentimental attachment to it that is magic and it is right in front of you because it's, because we get so busy with the hustle and bustle we don't give ourselves an opportunity to actually stop and look at what's right in front of us because I mean, I can do that. I I do do that. And I'm like, my God, the, the, the blessings that I have right in front of me are blaring. I'm just so goddamn focused on what everything else is happening. I'm not focusing on the here and now. And, and you did. And that's pretty remarkable. And I love when that happens. Yeah, well, and I do think I was thinking about really what it is, you know, and some people will call it, like, and I don't have a problem with what word people use for it, but I do, <clears throat> I think of it as a state of gratitude. I do. Because, you know, one thing, we've, we have not arrived at our destination yet, but, you know, Charles and I, we've been together 16 years, and all we've, our, our dream it's so weird that our dream, it, it was his dream, it's kind of my dream, and then it became our dream. Like, we've talked about it in every possible scenario. So now I feel like it is our dream because we've, we've added our wants and thoughts and desires to it is to have a homestead. Now, when we lived in Texas, we talked about it there. We kind of had a mini version of it, but in a suburb house, like in, we had a big yard and we, you know, he was growing 60 different things in the backyard and whatever. But like, I always think about that when I go out and look at his garden that he does every year and he doesn't, we haven't waited to get to the homestead to do the things like we've have canning stuff. We've made homemade butter. He grows most of our, our vegetables and stuff and our herbs and he is a repurposer. So he always is taking weird objects and making furniture and like, you know what I mean? Like things like that. But I think about this, this became trendy also, like he was doing it. And then like probably about two or three years after we really were talking about this, it became trendy. And then like you had soccer moms just picking up garbage off the side of the road. They're like, yay. And then they're at a, you know, a craft show making shit. And so, but if you really strip that down and think about it, there's a lot of people in this world in, well, let's say American culture. I can speak to that who this very much appeals to the tiny home movement, the um, people wanting to go off the grid or partially off the grid people now who have access to cell phones, to um, technology, to medical science, to all the things that we do have, as we've evolved, there's so many people that want to go back to basics. 
Like this is not, we're, we, we've, people thought we were weird then, but this is now like a cultural phenomenon. And as I was traveling on this trip and as we've been up in the UP in different places, you see it, you see people living in school buses and van life and, um, you know, uh, I can't even think at cordwood home, like going back to like some primitive shit, like cob houses and Adobe. And like, we're literally begging to go back to a way of life that people lived before they had access to these anemones. Because I think culturally we are so inundated with bullshit. Like we like it but it has taken over in such a way that there's no realness. And the only thing I can really pinpoint is I remember when COVID first began. Well, let's go back to that. Let's everybody go home for two weeks. And I, I'll never forget when they said like the NFL or the baseball was like, we weren't going to have games. And I, that was before the we NBA had was the first one. The NBA. That yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Holy I shit. This I was is like, serious oh my God, they're shutting down sports. Like, this is scary. Like, because we don't shut down for shit. We don't, you know, we have our sports gods and our movie stars and they, our banks, all the, all the, the greed and the capitalism and the money-making and all the things, they're shutting that down even for two weeks. That was like unheard of. And then, of course, that became more than two weeks. But I will never forget, once everybody, I was included, I got sent home. And I stayed home for two months. I got paid to be home. Greatest two months of my freaking life, by the way. Um, It's, like, amazing. Just thinking about it right now. Um, But when we, well, it sucked because, as you know, we've talked many times. I'm a people hoarder. I get my battery charged from being around people. It was very... I was cool for about two or three weeks after that. I was like freaking out, you know? So we, we all had what we called, you know, like our COVID families, like just had that couldn't go in people's houses. But then after a little while, okay, you've been in the house. I've been in the house. We're not going anywhere. There's one house I'll go to, you know what I mean? And you had to connect with people like that. But what I vividly remember is all these moms And I'm sure there were people that weren't moms, but I'm just talking about in my own community. You're stuck home with these damn kids. It it was too much. It was too much. Like spouses were home together. Like everybody, nobody had a chance to miss each other. It was too much. So once you kind of got to that new normal and you got freaking bored, man, our state parks and our national parks, like, that's all we could do. I used to drive my kids over to Cook's Dairy Farm in Ortonville, and we'd go through the drive-through and just get ice cream just to get the hell out of this house. We started going back to Seven Lake State Park. We were like any park we could go to, just anything to not be cooped up in this house. And all of a sudden, there was this huge shift in parks being visited across the country. People were like, well, we're home. The kids are out of school. Let's just drive to North Dakota. Like, you know, I mean, like people were just traveling and, and really getting back in touch with nature, with finding. You had to get creative and figure out, like, how many crafts can you do? Like, people were learning to knit. People, like, we got back to basics because we had all of our modern anonymities stripped away from us. Now. Why that happened, how long it happened and what happened afterwards, that's a whole whole other conversation but I just want to just focus for that moment on for about four to five months I feel like people were kinder people were more thoughtful people were more fulfilled people decided to not go back to work they figured out how to be resourceful to have one parent back in the home like we had like people we had all the capitalist things removed from our our grasp And people had to really rely on themselves and, okay, crap, we can't get toilet paper. So you had to, you know, ration or you had to, um, no offense, get a funnel, get leaves. I don't know. Like you just had to figure it out. And I think to myself, this is 
not on this level, but like, this is what my grandparents, like when I was raised, my grandmother had a victory garden, uh, grew up in the depression, world war two, you know, I didn't know it was called a victory garden until later, but I just thought people had gardens, but I understood the history now, like behind where that came from. And some people would call her a hoarder, but people who grew up traumatized during the great depression, they, they never got rid of anything. Because you never knew, you know, something that was never supposed to happen, happened. And so you, you, you don't get rid of your resources. So you find the usefulness and the importance in the very basic things. And that can also be physical and emotional. So I don't know. Like, I just, I kind of was really, I think that statement that Joanna made to me was a very, it was probably one of the best compliments of my life. Like, and I didn't, I'm not naturally this way. I, I kind of am, but I'm a product of growing up around people, grandparents and great aunts and, you know, stuff like that, who, who, who instilled in me. I didn't know those lessons when I was a little girl, but like I can look back on them 40 years later and understand those seeds that were planted very young. And then part of it's just my nature, you know, so I'm very empathic and some people call it discernment. Some people call it empath. Some people call it intuition. You can name it what you want, but it's, a. am emotionally, I'm able to, I take on, other people's pain, other people's emotions, which is very overwhelming at times, especially since I like being around people. It's like, I don't even know sometimes like, why am I depressed? And then I realize it's not even something I'm dealing with. It's some bullshit that I've been around. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I feel for me just like finding the wonder of being at the ocean or finding a, like when I found that sand dollar, I was like, that might've actually been when it happened. Like, that is pretty unique. You don't just find sand dollars every day. But, like, my response to that was, like, someone had handed me a million-dollar check. You know, and people, why do you get so excited about those things? I don't know. I just, this is a memory now that I get to think about in 20 years. Right. I get to collect stories. every day. Right. Well, and I told you, too, on that trip, like, the, uh, what is the, uh, what are the odds that I pulled a random person from my life and took them on a trip with someone they didn't know, two people they didn't know. And somehow they have all these connections, like not just, oh, we used to work at the same location at a place 40 years ago. No, I know your father. Let me show you a story. Like but, you know, those kind of stories have been things like that. The synchronicities, they've been happening my whole life. Like, what, like, what, like, there are small, small world odds, and then there's crazy, and I've had so many of those, like, what crazy moments my whole life, and so it's just, um, I don't know, I, I see them for what they are, I appreciate them, I value them, I cherish them, I nurture them, and I tuck them away, and then, like, yesterday, I was able to make a cup of coffee, and just felt so overwhelmingly warm, and just full of gratitude, like this, this great woman that I didn't know well, but I knew her and she, I had respect for her. She had respect for me. You know, I, she, she trailblazed in our community in a time that that wasn't happening, you know, so I have a great affinity for her, but that somehow allowed me to like, I'm so glad I collect these precious, I don't just let stuff fall by the wayside. You know what I mean? And I got to like reminisce into like eight things I'm grateful for in a cup of coffee, you know? So I don't know. It was just kind of neat. I love it. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time that people need, need to do this, you know, because you'd be surprised. Like you said, you, you described a internal warm feeling. Mm -hmm. How many people are listening to this and they're saying it to, to themselves right now, I don't remember the last time I had that organic, actual, warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. Well, maybe if you slowed the hell down for a minute or two, catch a breath, 
and look and see what all is going on right in front of you, you'd be surprised how many times that warm, fuzzy feeling will be restored internally. It happens to me. So, I mean, the fact that you had that moment, and it's not just that moment because you weren't called out on it, but it was brought to your attention. You find the magic in everything. And it could be the littlest thing. Well, uh, in, I, in, in the grand scheme, but it makes the most impact. Well, and I hope, I do hope that I think my goal, and I'm sure other people have this, and maybe they've not thought about it as a goal, but my hope is that I've left every person, place, job, organization encounter better than I found it because you don't know. And I think this was, was interesting to listen to even just, I told you if, if nobody except you and Sean and Joanna and Angela listen to that podcast from my birthday party, if nobody else listens to it, I told you that night, just the fact that I have that, like, this sounds really morbid, but like, you know, people don't wait to talk about the great things about you until after you're dead most of the time. So it's kind of nice. And you don't know if I go back to when I talked about perspective, like when I'm sitting up there and I was co-hosting with you and I'm watching the exact same thing that other people are watching from a different angle. Right. You you see, you're having the same experience, but you see it differently. And so I think that I have what I believe is me and what I do with my life and how I conduct myself. Not perfect by any means, and I screw up a lot. But the question is, I can be in a space doing a thing, and there could be 20 people around me, and they all have a different perspective of how that happened you know, or what they took from it. Right. And so the question is when you leave a situation, you kind of feel like, Oh, that was a great encounter. Or I hope I did a good job. And you walk away. You don't really know what the five people you left behind. They may all take something different from the encounter. So your hope is in your life, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to screw up. You're going to, you're going to upset people. Not everybody's for you. My hope though, is the majority of people or encounters that I have, I hope whatever perspective they have when I leave is that it was a positive one um, or if something meaningful happened and that maybe 10 years from now they're making a cup of coffee and they think of something, you know what I mean? And that's what we, that's what separates us from the fucking animals. Like you, it's just having a spirit and, and being able to do that, you know? And so I cherish those moments. I think about, I have a, in fact, when I came home from my trip, I have a, we currently live in an upstairs historic apartment. Um, We've had, we've lived in various houses, townhomes throughout our life and stuff, but this is not my forever home. I've lived here for quite a long time. This space, the access and the proximity to downtown was the trade-off. So that was what gave me joy. So during Mm -hmm. Dickens Festival, I see horses and snow and I feel like I'm living in the middle of a Christmas card, but the rest of the year, this is not where I want to live. Um, just due to a million different things. There's a reason I've lived here this long and I know I'm not going to live here forever, but this apartment brings me, I have a lot of great memories here, but I don't, this space does not necessarily bring me joy, but everything that I try to keep in here, like in my room, I, if it does not bring me joy, it's got to go. Like I, it has to go. And so when I came back from my trip, I kind of redid my shelf, which is my little sacred space of keepsakes, things, you know, just, just little knickknacks, pictures, you know, I have it, I try to make it nice. And I know that someday it'll be displayed differently. I'd like to have those items throughout my home as opposed to in my life in two shelves. Right. But I redid it. I rearranged it. I take care of it because it's not that, If I lost this rock, my life's going to change. But I know where those rocks came from. It takes me, it transports me to a place. 
where I was free and had joy and I, maybe I had a breakthrough with something. I, I don't know. Like everything about it, every little object up there is from an experience I've had that brings me magical feelings. You know what I mean? And so I try to keep those, you know, in my space and I'm not necessarily attached to the object, but what comes with it, you know? And so I don't know, like, I think that's just like, that's just my way. Some part of it's coping (laughs) with, with lack. Um, Part of it is just keeping me grounded to remember what's very important and like none of this matters when we, when we, when we're toast, you know what I mean? But it's what, it's the legacy. And I thought about that with Barb. I've thought about that with grandpa. I've thought about it with Mr. Golden that just passed. Like I don't wait for people to die to think about these things, but I, I, I'm watching people who, who passed a lot of them recently who've left legacies and not legacies with big monuments and bullshit people who've quietly given who've helped people in need who have hugged people when they were down who have kept going under tumultuous circumstances like that resilience and so those are the things that are important that's the shit I find magic in you know and so when I find a leaf in the middle of a desert and I act like it's I found the golden nugget it's because I'm like oh I'm gonna have more stuff to beat take this leaf home. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just know it's, it's like an, it's a representation of the experience. It's not the thing. Right. You know? So I don't know. I just thought it was a really nice compliment. And I also, it can't, it's taken me a week to like deep dive into that and just kind of really bring more guts to that subject. You know what I mean? And so I think everyone can relate to that, but I do not miss being home. By the, I mean, I work from home. I love that, but like, I don't miss lockdown COVID shit. But I, I wish, I wish we could encapsulate that couple months. People were just slower, and kinder, and resourceful, and creative, and in magical. Really, like it was magical in a weird way. To, I wish we could put that shit in a bottle, and just like somehow figure out how to live like that all the time. Like not where you're shut in, but like, but I think that's the trade-off when you are immersed in a society full of fake bullshit and standards, you know, people weren't coloring their hair. People weren't like, people were just like feral. (laughs) It was like, and, and while that may not be as pretty, it, it's more real. Yeah. I was just going to say that. And, and, yeah. And, and you get something from that. Whereas all the time and energy and money that is spent. And see, that was that. That was why people had to go back to work. That's why people, they don't want people still working remotely. They don't want you to remember that your life has meaning without increasing their bottom line and answering to the man. You know what I mean? Like right. that is not good for capitalism at all. Um, but it was really good for people. And that's the conflict. It's so a I huge think- conflict because why did it take a global pandemic for us to get back <clears throat> to basics or for us to appreciate what life is truly all about? It took a global pandemic for and us. We're, to, and we're already back to bullshit. Like yeah, that's, it, <clears throat> it only took six months, really. Mm-hmm. Once people were able to go back, people were like, oh, thank God, we can go do all this stuff now. Everything's open. But I feel like people early on very much recognized the trade-off for that. Like they were like, well, wait a minute. I really enjoy I have a better work-life balance. My kids are act, you know, I have a better relationship with my spouse or my children or my friends or my parents or with myself because I had time. That's the thing. Keep them busy. Keep them busy. Keep them busy. Busy, busy, busy. Climb the corporate ladder. Find all the shit. You got to get the next fad. You got to get the next perfume. You got to get the next outfit. You got to go to the next concert. You got to do this. But that costs more money. Chicken costs $8,000. Like, 
if you're in a state of constant, like fight or flight, then you don't have time to sit and go, you know, I could not work. We could just cook at home and not go out to eat, but we'd have a better, more peaceful life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't right. want that. It's not good for the bottom line. It's not good for employers, you know? And I mm. I do think we, we, for a moment in time, we got a glimpse of what life used to be like. Obviously not shut in, but even if you think about that, like, you know, back in the country when think when we didn't have big cities and stuff, you wanted to go visit somebody, you had to get on your damn old car, your horse and buggy and took six hours to get over there. You know what I mean? Like everything was just slower and every single thing you did required thought and effort and gratitude. And while I don't want to be on a horse and buggy for six hours, I just think there is a way to have balance, but balance is not good for our culture and for our stock market and for our, you know what I mean? It's just, so I do think this is the appeal, the magical appeal of people wanting to be off the grid or go choose to live a simpler life. But of course, I don't remember if I told you, but you know, it wasn't 24 hours after I was back. I was already looking up building codes and like I was all up on the freaking Joshua Tree government website. Like, what are you? Because I mean, I saw people living in shipping containers, buses, all the things that my husband and I ever talked about out there. And it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And beautiful homes, too. But like it was like everyone was living cohesively together, like the hipsters and the modern, you know, millionaires and stuff too. And, and it, and it worked. And I was like, man, I just felt such a magical, I'm not saying I just want to live there forever and ever just pick up and move across the country. I'm like, we've already done that. <laughs> we sold everything we owned in Texas and moved to Michigan with no real plan. Like we just got to get there and start we'll figure it out. Yeah. And everyone in Texas thought we were crazy crazy like I mean even though Charles was from here he hadn't been here and lived here in like 20 plus years or something and they're like in fact the house we got when we came here the rental market was so crazy when we were trying to move because it was after the housing crash um and everybody who'd lost their homes like the rental every time a rental would come up it was, it was 600 people were trying to get one house it'd be gone in two minutes you know when we moved here the house we ended up getting, which was over in Shelby Township, we only got that house literally. We already had flights booked to move. We had nowhere to live. It was two weeks to the day that we were supposed to leave that we got that house. I had never been to Shelby Township in my life. I had no clue where it was. I had not seen this house. We just sight unseen, you know. And um, so that was kind of scary. And then we started a business and redid how we did that and then I had to I had to work weird jobs and it was like you just make it happen like you know um but people just thought we were nuts and so I'm like I'm not saying we need to move across the country again but I am saying that I'm not scared to um just start over it's not like we have this extremely stable established life here we do in our relationships but not our location is not the determining factor. You know what I mean? So right. let's go do weird things. But I think that where we go, how we do it, and what we want to do seems very uh, weird to some people. But I don't think so as much anymore. I think people really understand wanting to get back to basics and simplicity. You know, or they understand the appeal of it for, for people. Maybe it's not what they want, but they get it. You know, so I think I uh, you know a lot of a lot of people are just fed up. Mm -hmm. They're they're fed up with all the bullshit. They're fed up with all the drama. They're fed up with all cost of living. I mean, it's so much all of, of it. it. I like, mean, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, <clears throat> it's like 
as soon as you're like, oh, I got that promotion. I make this much money now. I can, oh, we could maybe do some things or I could retire in 20 years or whatever it is. And then they're like, oh, you're on punked. Guess what? Housing costs are going up another 30%. Like there's, and that's the thing. You're on the wheel, the wheel of capitalism. And I'm not trying to just, I know I keep using that word, but it's true. It's true. If the goal is to make more money, that's your goal. That's my goal. Like, so that we can have a better life. Well, that's absolutely the goal of the big banks and everyone else who are making billions of dollars. And we're all busting our ass for like an extra two bucks an hour. But then the cost of living goes up six bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Like there's, you're always chasing, they keep moving the goalpost and people are just done. So that's why it's kind of funny when I looked up the, you know, the building codes and stuff. And that's not the first place I've looked that up at, you know, we've looked at a variety of places, but um, you know, that's what happened now where communities and, and municipalities are making it harder and harder and harder for people to be self-sustaining. Like, nope, can't do that. Can't do that. Nope. That's two inches too big. Sorry. Can't build that. Can't do I'm like, dude, Whereas people for hundreds and thousands of years have just been able to build their homes with their own two hands and feed themselves. And they don't <laughs> want that to be hip and modern because that is not good for grocery stores. It's not good for contractors. It's not good for taxes. It's not good for, it, it's just good for people. And I don't know. It's, you know, don't worry. We'll find a place. And then I'm going to have a karaoke bar in my backyard. Yeah. And I'm going to sing Hank Williams Jr. Okay. Well, I'm there for it. I mean, yep. assuming I get an invite, you know. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think, um, but it's been a really, I will, I will end this on, I've had a lot of great moments in my life. I've had a lot of great birthdays, a lot of great parties. I think last week is the first time I've had a solid, I had 10 days. I have never taken 10 days off from work ever. And it coincide with my birthday, an epic dream trip of mine with getting to spend time at home uh, when I came home. With my daughter, with my husband, got to have lunch with my older daughter on Sunday. In fact, we all went out to lunch. Like, this is something when you, I talk about seeing the magic and everything or, or having a, a sense of gratitude. I hate to use the word normal, but normal families, whatever that looks like for you. Going out to a restaurant and sitting down with all of your children and your partner and any of your kids' partners, and just having lunch in public at a restaurant, this is what people do every day. Families do this shit all the time. That is not something we do all the time. That was so special for me, like for us to all be in a physical place outside of a home, not splitting a meal, like we all got what we wanted. <laughs> like Fine. That just doesn't that's not part of our lifestyle. We choose to use our resources in other ways. And so it, just having like that, like, you know, people might think I'm so cheesy about what that meant to me. Like what y'all went out to eat. Y'all got freaking toast. Like what's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. If that's not something you get to do all the time, you know what I mean? So it's, um, it was just one of I don't know. Maybe it's my age. Maybe it's just what I've been through the last few years or my whole life. I don't know. But it was a magical 10 days of sleep and, and, and then having my birthday party and being able to hang out with all kinds of weird blended people in a room and, and sing my other favorite thing. It was like all my favorite fucking things right. in 10 days. Like that never happens like that you know, meaningful things, not just frivolous things. So, um, I don't know. I'm glad she said that to me. I'm glad that it let it, that it made me think. I'm glad we got to talk about it today. I don't know. Is there anything that you find magical that or or meaningful that other people would think is stupid? 
or silly? I mean, there's not one specific thing that pops out in, in my mind, but what I do know is at this stage of my life, um, if something does materialize, like I generally recognize it in real time now, and I will make a concentrated effort to stop and acknowledge, you know, and it could be the smallest thing. Like why of all the gravel all around me, why is that one flower poking out one flower? Yep. That's not something that's supposed to be there. That's clearly not supposed to be there. Why is that there? But I, you know, I stop, stop, I look at it, I acknowledge it. Wow, that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. I recognize what that is. There's um, other things that happen that, you know, and I don't want to go down, you know, deep into a rabbit hole about this because, it, you know, people will have an opinion one way or the other as to what it stems from. And I'm not an overly religious person by any stretch of the imagination. Like, you're not going to see me in church on Sundays. But I believe in what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I've had enough instances happen where they're inexplicable uh, in the normal realm of life. But if you are able to suspend your disbelief and if you are of a belief of a higher power, and these are examples that we hear about or that we've read about that lets us know that the spirit or something along these lines mm -hmm. are very much in the room with us. Yep. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not looking to start an argument or like I said, even a conversation because that's, uh, you know, that's something that we, we could spend a tremendous amount of time on, but like, I yeah. know what I saw and I know what I felt at that moment. I correlate that to magic. I correlate that to the little I've, things in life. And maybe someday we can do an episode about that because it's it's weird the few people I've shared. Like, I've had exper multiple experiences like this. Um, and it's weird. They're mine. You know what I mean? They're yours. Mm -hmm. um, they don't add up to what some people find realistic or, you know, and who knows, our, our brains are, like, the things that we cannot comprehend, right? And we try as a human to to make sense of them or to give them purpose sometimes. You know what I mean? But at the same time, they happen. And right. that helps guide you, you know? So I don't know. It's cool. So I think after deep diving into Jim Morrison and Jelly Roll and parks and crazy fake Buddhist monks and all the things that have happened no. over the last couple of weeks, no. Yes. I wish people could see that. Maybe we need a picture on a t-shirt of me going like this. Yeah. We <laughs> like, can make that happen. We got yeah, one of George Bull. I, I know. I, I, um, but anyway, it's just, you know, this is probably a little more of a mushy-wushy uh, episode, but I'm kind of a mushy-wushy person as much as you may not. Well, I think you would think that, but like, you know, I'm also stupid and frivolous and funny and sacrilegious and all kinds of other things too i'm an enigma in fact i'll end it on that in my ninth grade year of high school i took a creative writing class i still have the portfolio i was a good writer like i was good at that like poems and stuff and at the end of the year we had to put it all into this portfolio a uh, little you know three-prong folder make it cute and it's somewhere in my storage in a box, you know, with my keepsakes. And uh, literally, like, I got, I think I got an A minus on the whole, for the whole year or the whole semester on it. But her note, and I did not like the teacher. She was not pleasant. But she wrote on there, and I don't think she really liked me either at the time. Even looking back on it, I just don't think I was for her. And that's okay. But she did write in there, you know, this was an excellent portfolio, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, the only thing I can say about you is you are an enigma. <laughs> like, that's what it, and I just, and I shared that with a couple of two other teachers who I had great relationships with and, to, and I'm friends with to this day, by the way, like high school teachers. And they laughed so hard, like 
when I said, what is an enigma? I didn't even know what that meant. And I'm like, and I've kind of taken that as a point of pride, like a badge of honor. I'm like, yeah, I guess maybe I am an enigma. Like, I'm, I'm not that hard to figure out, but there's things that just don't, like, this doesn't make sense with this, but I'm all of it simultaneously. So I, I relish in my enigmaness. Did I just make up a word? I think you did. Enigmaism? I don't Enig- know. Enigmaism? Enigmaism? <laughs> Enigma isn't? I don't know. Fuck, I says, I, I says. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to, okay, we're closing out the show. Thank you, everyone, for taking time to listen. I hope you find the magic in what you are seeing and doing and experiencing every day and take time to have a state of gratitude for the tiny things because they're usually the big things. But just in case anyone goes and listens to the birthday party episode, I want to give everyone a frame of reference and maybe a, they're not paying me to do this. They don't pay me anything to do this. Go on. I think it's on Netflix. If not, you can go on YouTube, whatever, find it, just Google it. Tignataro, one of my favorite, uh, comedians. She's very dry and witty and funny, but I just want people to understand that if you listen to that previous birthday episode and you hear me saying, I says, I says, I says, I says, I was not being drunk. I, I was a little drunk, but that wasn't why I said that. That is a reference from Tignataro. And that is an excellent comedic special that I recommend everybody watch. So I just want to be clear in case people think I was so inebriated that I was just making up I says, I says. <laughs> Both things can be true at the same time. Sure, pal. <laughs> So, uh, on that note, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Say What. We will see you next week. I says, I says. <laughs> and I hope you all have a magical week. Do you have a piece of antique furniture laying around your house that you really want to get restored, but you just don't know where to take it? Something that means something to you, something that actually has some sentimental value. Let me tell you about our friends over at First and Spring Designs located in Hadley, Michigan. Now what they will do, they will take your pieces of furniture, your articles, and they will restore them. They will bring them back to life. They will restore that magic that once was in a way that you may have never even imagined. So we invite you to check out our friends over at First and Spring Designs. You can find them over on Facebook, or you can send them an email at andreagrace2015 at outlook.com. Reach out and see what kind of magic they can do for you.